Hey everyone, my name's Chloe and welcome to the Get With God podcast. This is a space where we're able to dive into all that God has for us and hear about his goodness and glory through testimonies and the word. You can find me on social media at getwithgod.pod to talk more and I think we should jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Get With God podcast. I am super excited for today's episode. Episode one had a brief part of my testimony, so I really wanted to dive into it today. So I think, you know, sometimes sharing our story can be scary. What if it changes how people think of you? What if your partner decides they're not interested? What if your friends start looking at you funny? Well, I think that's a good thing because they're not for you. God wouldn't send you someone who doesn't love you in the way that he loves you. And he wouldn't send you someone who doesn't see God's goodness all over your life. God doesn't want us to have friends who label you in your past. He wants people who label you as a child of God. So today as I share, may God reveal or remove and may my life begin to overflow with the love of God. Before I get into it, I just want to start by saying that this story is not about the sins of myself or even other people. Our story should be only told to glorify God and make him known, to share his goodness and faithfulness in our lives despite what we've been through. So that's what this is and I have to share sin in order to reveal God. Um, And so just in case, there's some trigger warnings that I want to include. Um, There's going to be some talk about abortion, drug addiction and alcohol misuse, domestic violence, sexual abuse and suicide. Again, though, this is a God glorifying story and not to bring shame, sadness, guilt or anger. And this is just what I've been through and this is how God got me through it. So I don't go into super graphic details, but I do touch on those topics. Um, so yeah, tune out if you're not interested or can't listen to those things or stay on the line if you are able to listen. Um, as I said, it brings glory to God and Jesus is King. So that is all. (laughs) Um, so my story starts in conception as everyone else's does. My parents were 18 and 19. Uh, my mum was using the pill, but this one evening she was drinking and vomited it up. Then I was created. So my dad would have just turned 19 when they found out about me and the thought of keeping me was not on their mind. Abortion was the first and only option until my mum told my nana. Her reaction was not expected and she was so excited and wanted to take my mum baby clothes shopping straight away. Mum didn't even get the opportunity to say that she didn't want to go through with it. So here I am 23 years later. Praise God. (laughs) Uh, The Bible talks about being knitted together in our mother's womb in Psalm 139, 13 to 18. It says, For you created my inner being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in that secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I love 16, verse 16, because he knew every step we would take before we even took one. And I thank God for that. And I thank God for my life. And I am so grateful to be here today. My earliest memory of life was about four or five. I remember small moments prior to that, but um, I'm aware that memories can be formed through stories that you've heard. So four years old is when this story pretty much begins. Um, But a quick little brief thing before I turn four. (laughs) For those who attended my 21st birthday, you will have had 
the opportunity to hear from my mum. She gave a nice long speech about my life and she also happened to spill some of her own tea that night. Um, My parents were recreational marijuana smokers and so to quickly fill those people in who weren't at my 21st, my parents were moving house sometime after I was born and they had their tool of choice sitting in the laundry basket next to my baby seat and I had grabbed a hold of it. Um, So... Yeah, that was that. Um, But drug use was something I was aware of for as long as I can remember in my family. So we'll fast forward to age four. Uh, We had moved to Hamilton in southwestern Victoria. And I remember living on a street with lots of other kids and slowly making friends at kindergarten. Um, But living here was my first memory of domestic violence. Um, I don't recall much from the situation entirely, but that was only the beginning of what my life was to be. My parents had some friends who had a daughter who was about two years older than me and I was at their house one time. I was probably about five by this point and I remember going to this girl's room to play. She wanted to play girlfriends and boyfriends and this led to being forced into touching other each other in places that we shouldn't have and this led me down a spiral of masturbation from age five. So quite literally as long as I can remember I've struggled with sexual sin which is the only sin that goes against our own bodies In 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And I continue to struggle with this well into my walk with God, and it's only in the last two years that I have been on the real healing journey for this, which is a massive praise God moment for me because we're called to live in purity, and I strive to be better every day, and I genuinely can say that that chain's been broken off my life. So I touched on my primary school years slightly in episode one. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I highly recommend that you do. Primary school had religious education, but after year three, I was not interested. So we asked mum, can you write a note to get us out of the class? And she's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. She never actually ended up doing it, but we told the school that mum did. And so we got out of the classes, which meant that my sister and I got to sit in the library instead. And we felt this to be much more entertaining. And this was a massive end to my journey of hearing about God, but um, yeah, I didn't, and I didn't have a lot of education on it until a lot later on. I did have some extended family on both of my parents' side who went to church, um, but I didn't have a lot to do with some of them and others I didn't think represented what I did happen to know about God from my earlier primary school years. So life went on and more violence and moving around happened and we grew up across the road from a pub. So the drinking culture in my family was quite strong and there was no such thing as a casual wine with dinner. It was always go hard or go home. And a small country town meant that there was nothing else for adults to do. So me and my mates aged roughly between 10 and 14, often just hung out at the pub too or at someone's house or the park. And we would roam the empty streets for hours on the weekends. And of course, having the time of our lives while our parents were drinking away their pain. Uh, from memory in the later part of 2012, there was a big fight including my pop dad and mum, and this resulted in my dad moving out and living in town. So then this turned into my sister mum and I finding a place that we all plus my dad could then move into. And I just started high school, so it made sense to move into town. So once living into town, um, things were good and they always were for a while after a fight. And it was probably about late 2013, early 2014, when my dad had made some friends who all enjoyed motorbike riding. And this was really good. It gave him something to do. 
but until another hobby joined the group. And this was the use of ice, formerly known as methamphetamines. And this drug is so destructive, it literally takes over your whole life. And I watched my parents spiral into it. This led to severe drug abuse, domestic violence, and other drug addictions that caused my parents to be unavailable majority of the time. My sister and I looked after ourselves. We lived off frozen meat pies and two-minute noodles. We would finish school, drop our bags off, and go off and hang out at friends' houses and walk the streets for hours. We rarely saw our parents. and We had the police visit regularly, and this caused me to lack a lot of self-care for myself. I started drinking at the age of 13 or 14, and in year seven, I had made a pact to lose my virginity in the school toilets on my 16th birthday if I hadn't prior to that. And I literally remember checking my calendar to make sure my birthday was on a school day. Thankfully, (laughs) I was far from interested and completely disgusted in myself for even saying that by the time my 16th birthday rolled around. I was just more focused on trying to get my learners. But drinking was still a common theme for my high school years. And it was my temporary solution to all the problems I faced at home. A permanent solution would have been suicide. I was self-harming, but I made sure not to leave scars because I had friends who did and I felt like I needed to remain strong for them. But this led me to consider taking my life. I remember actually standing in my closet and being disappointed that the bar wasn't high enough. Which is another praise God moment. It's incredible to look back now and see God's goodness in all of my lowest moments. Eventually my dad had moved out, but he was still visiting and using drugs with my mum and domestic violence was still occurring. My sister and I would beg for it to stop and we would find ourselves in the middle of it. Life had no light, but I continued to push through and by the start of year nine, child protection was involved. We were in an unsafe environment and it was their job to place us in one. So one day my sister and I got home from school and I had my best friend at the time with me and our caseworkers were at the house with my mum. We walked in the door and we found out that they were taking us. And just for a short time, they said, just a few weeks and we'll see what happens. So we went and stayed with my friend for those two weeks. And by the end of it, we were packing our bags to go live with my uncle. We were super disappointed because we thought we were able to go home. So we moved in with our uncle and eventually through child protection, we were able to have supervised visits with my mom um, that eventually got less and less supervised. Um, My dad had ended up in prison and we had supervised phone calls with him and the visitation requirements kept changing to more access and less supervision as time went on. Uh, We ended up leaving my uncles after a month and we then had to go live with my pop for another four months or so. Dad got out of jail and we were able to have supervised visits with him and they obviously started relaxing over time as well. But this was all under strict expectations for both of my parents. And after about six months out of home, mum was allowed to have us back full time again. And this was also under expectations. But even after all of this, we still witnessed drug abuse and domestic violence. It didn't stop. My sister and I were never physically harmed, but we were emotionally and verbally abused. We lived in fear because you never knew what mood our parents would be in. And it was a continuous cycle of looking after ourselves. My sister had some friends who went to a youth group. And so she was going to hang out there to get out of the house for a few hours while I went out drinking on hills and in backyards with friends at 15. By the end of 2015, I decided to go check out this youth group my sister was going to. One night I was having a sleepover with some friends at my house and we were alone and it was just up the road. So we decided to walk up. 
We got there at the end of the night, but it was so boring. We sat in this little room and had little booklets to fill out and I was not interested and I didn't really go back for a while until I then also became friends with my sister and the people she was hanging out with. So I started going more regularly. For the remainder of term four, I went to this youth and mucked around and sat in the back row and laughed at the point being made from the front. It was a relationship series and as a person who lived in the world, I had a very worldly view on relationships, also had witnessed quite unhealthy relationships my whole life. And so I didn't really pay much attention, but I kept going and I didn't know what was drawing me in. But then the Christmas holidays came around and I didn't plan on going back. So year 10 begins and there's two junior high schools where I live that get like separated and then you join into one big high school in year 10. So there was people who hadn't seen each other for a few years, people who were just meeting for the first time. And I had a good friend from year seven who we, who went to a different school to her other good friend from primary school. So then we all joined together and I introduced myself and things were good, but I didn't think much of it. But then I realized she was also attended the youth group that I was going to and we had a class together. And so if we sat together and we started talking and if you've listened to episode one, you know the basics, but now my wonderful friend Esther started inviting me back and every week in class she would ask me to come and I really liked her so I decided to go. But I kept arguing the points, I was defensive and had my guard up I had been through a lot of hurt and I wasn't really ready to trust people I didn't know. But I was met with love, respect, kindness and gentle people, regardless of my behaviour. And I was confused how these people who didn't know me at all could love me and accept me and want to be a part of my world. My youth pastor, Lindell, was, and still is, a wild character. She was so out there and I remember just thinking, how the heck can someone be so happy all the time? I eventually figured out the answer to all my questions. But I attended regularly for the whole of year 10, arguing and defending the idea of there not being a God, until the end of term four rolled around. I'd been attending for a whole year as an atheist, altar call after altar call I ignored, then I started noticing my heart rate would increase when this altar call was happening. And it made me feel alive, but I ignored it, and I ignored it for a few weeks, until November 4th, 2016. My heart started beating, and Lendell said from the front, that it might feel like God knocking on the door of your heart. And it certainly did feel like that. It was much more significant than any other week. So I slipped my hand up, I gave in and allowed myself to admit that God loved me and cared for me. Everything made sense as to why these strangers cared for me. It's because God cared. God knew me and had a plan and he wanted my heart and I was being so reluctant to let him in. I feared what I would have to give up, what my life would look like if I allowed him into all the mess. But I opened my heart, prayed the sinner's prayer, and have never looked back. And it wasn't an easy journey, but I have had good people around me who cared for me and loved me, supported me, and helped me grow in my journey with God. 2017 rolled around, and we went to the Planet Shakers conference, and I was just in awe of how many people had gathered to worship Jesus. This Christianity thing was way bigger than I could have ever thought. I got water baptized a year after giving my heart to Jesus, although I still struggled with my sin for many years after coming to know God. I found myself going out every weekend after turning 18 until mid-2019 in my gap year. During my gap year, I jumped into a diploma of leadership through Alpha Cruces College at my local church, and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but this seemed like a good way to get my life back on track with God. 
It helped eventually, but not quite at the time. And it was a challenge, but I got through it. And after finishing my diploma in summer of 2020, there was bushfires and COVID was about to hit. But I had just gotten myself a boyfriend. So all while life was crazy, it felt like good things were happening. So in March of 2020, I moved out of home where there was still drug use and domestic violence. I was 19, working casually at a fish and chip shop, making not a lot of money. So I decided, yeah, let's move out. Let's pay rent, bills and buy food at the beginning of a pandemic. You're smart, Chloe. And and I was living with two of my best friends at the time, which was a massive learning curve for sure. They weren't as strong in their faith as they had been in the past, and it made it really difficult to stand by my faith. I just found myself in the last six months prior actually finding my feet and direction in my walk with God. Then the world gets shut down and I didn't have access to the people who wanted to help me in my journey. My housemates just wanted to party and because I didn't, I was often pretty lonely. The only person I saw regularly was my boyfriend at the time. And God has called us apart about 18 months ago. But if I didn't have him at the time to keep me on track with my faith, I could have and probably would have easily slipped through the cracks. I thought I was so ready for a relationship at 19 years old. I wanted to be the classic Christian, getting married young, because that's what you do, right? I believe it was for a season because it definitely made me reflect on my trauma and responses to situations and how important healing and having God centered in your own life is for that journey of a relationship. And I've just turned 23 and I can proudly say that I've grown so much in who God has called me to be and that what he has planned for me. And sometimes we think we're ready for things and looking back, we can see that we definitely weren't and we can praise God that he knows us better than we know ourselves. These past 18 months have been such a journey and I've discovered so much more about my heavenly father, my relationship with him grows daily, my desire to be more like Christ and reflect him in all I do is something I strive to achieve every day. Since coming to know God, I've had some incredible opportunities and I've been able to grow in my passions. I get to serve his kingdom and his people I serve in the youth ministry and get the honour to preach his word. I get to photograph services and events. I'm a part of the young adults team. I've interned and served week in and week out. I've learned his word and how to live it out. I get to meet amazing people in the kingdom of God. God has given me promises, some he's met and some still yet to be. But because I've seen his goodness, I can trust that the rest of these promises will come. And God has perfect timing. Literally, nothing I've been through do I ever say, I wish this happened earlier or later. We may think it. In that circumstance, but deep down, I know that God's plans are greater than my own. And I'm here because God wants me to be. There's no doubt about that. I could have never had the opportunity to walk this earth, and I could have taken that away from myself at age 14. Until I found God, until I met my maker, the one who knows me by name and directs every step I take. The world gets so caught up in the, if God is so loving, then why do bad things happen? But they forget to notice all the good things he has done for them. All the times he's pulled them up from the depths of the ocean. All the times they've had a get out of jail free card. Every time you wake up. If God was finished with you, he would take you. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. Even when you can't see it, he can. And he is telling you just a few more steps and you'll reach the top. God is faithful and true to his word. I am healed. I've forgiven. I've moved on and I'm strong in my faith. Now I know this is a lot and I'm so thankful that you've stuck by and listened to the whole episode. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just want to talk about my story, maybe you're going through some similar stuff, reach out, I'm available, or reach out to someone who in your life that you trust and who reflects God's love purely. Um, I think my story is definitely a big one um, and there is definitely more details 
Um, but I think keeping it surface level is a safe option. Um, and yeah, it's been exciting being able to share this with you. And I want to thank you again. And I'm going to speak to you in the next episode. Have a good week.